When I was a young teen, around 13 or 14 years old, my dad was having a lot of heart issues. And I spent a lot of time hanging out in hospitals, and my dad went through all kinds of procedures and all kinds of issues. And some of those were simpler than others, but for an eighth grader, it was pretty freaky. And, you know, and I was kind of always struggling with it in some sort of way. But I had a small group leader. His name was Mark Edwards. He was the, the guy who worked with my age group and my youth group. And I tell people all the time that you don't have to be flashy or cool to work with students. You just have to be yourself. And Mark, well, I mean, he just wasn't necessarily a cool guy, okay? He, he and his wife owned a lighting store. Um, he used to knit scarves for people. Um, not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but, you know, he wasn't like the cool, slick back hair, you know, athletic. Everybody thinks that you've got to be a youth worker kind of look to, to be that type of person. But almost every time my dad was in the hospital, whether um, it's just a simple procedure or not, um, I ended up being in the waiting room. And that can be really lonely sometimes. But Mark, he would inevitably end up showing up at the waiting room with me. He didn't have any special words or amazing insights for me. He was just there by my side. And if I needed him, he was going to be available for me. And having someone with you for the fun stuff, well, I mean, everybody likes to party, right? But having somebody there when it's the hard stuff, that's that's special. That's a, a situation that you really remember. And every time I have the privilege to be in hospital waiting room with somebody, I always think about Mark Edwards because it meant so much to me as a kid to have him there. And I want you to tuck Mark into the back of your head this morning as we continue to talk about the Apostles' Creed, this most ancient of creeds that we, we say in our church, because today we're going to move on to the next statement in that. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, believing is an, is an interesting phrase, and we've said that a couple times already in the last few weeks, that I believe in God the Father, and I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son. Believing is the acceptance or the, the, the holding on to the, the existence or the truth of something. It's to have confidence, to have trust, to have faith in something. So when we're talking about God the Father, or we're talking about the Son, Jesus Christ, it's a little bit easier for us to kind of conceive of that, right? Because we can kind of wrap our, our mind around an all-powerful God in some kind of way, you know, even if it's just the, the old white-bearded guy in the sky, you know. But when we think about Jesus, it gets even easier sometimes, right? Because he's human and, and God at the same time, but he has a personality that we can, we can relate to. He came from a family. He had brothers and sisters. We, we, can, we can relate with this. But when we start thinking about a Holy Spirit, it gets a little bit more sketchy, right? Because culturally speaking, when we think about a spirit, we typically think of a haunting or a poltergeist of some sort. It's typically something negative, some tormented leftover part of someone who's died. And typically this is something really scary for us. Or at best, it's like Casper the Friendly Ghost, Right. So, however, this, this Holy Spirit isn't a ghost or spirit like we would imagine inside of our cultural view. The Holy Spirit is a full, equal, operating person of the Trinity, the triune God of the Christian faith. The Holy Spirit is a person, like the Father, like the Son, but obviously the Holy Spirit is more mysterious and more difficult for us to potentially imagine or conceive. 
So now you're saying, okay, Brent, you, you said it's difficult to understand, and what you just told me didn't help me at all. And I totally get that. I understand. But here, here's the deal. For, before we start talking about things that are mysterious, we just need to get this out on the table. In our faith, in our tradition, there are a lot of things that are difficult for us to wrap our heads around. Sometimes it's really hard to figure out how the God of the universe, who loves us and wants to have a relationship with us, exists in three persons, but is still one God. And one of those is, you know, this, this, this mystical thing that we, we can't really relate to. And you know what? Mystery is part of our faith because faith is believing in things that we don't necessarily completely understand. And here's, I just want to give you this permission. It's okay. You don't have to completely understand to believe and have faith in something. And so as we talk about these things, we want to wrap our head around as much as we can so that we can build our relationship with God. But mystery is part of faith. So just give yourself you know, a break for just a second there and let your heart open up to what the Holy Spirit can be in your life. So this morning we're going to dive into that mystery. And first, you know, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit just in general. So his name, the Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament, in the, in the Hebrew language, it's, it's known as ruach, okay? And ruach means wind or breath. And so as the Holy Spirit is, is seen there, that it's, it's kind of like this, this wind or power that, that is felt but not necessarily seen. Now, it is, we see the Holy Spirit, though, written in Scripture from the very beginning, Right in the second verse of the Bible, we look at creation and the Holy Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. It's not a New Testament idea. It's not something we've made up. It's been there from the beginning. The Holy Spirit has been part of our experience from the very beginning. Now, we've established already that the Holy Spirit is a person. But why would we say that? When we often talk about the Holy Spirit, we think of the Holy Spirit as like our conscience, this like voice in our head that tells us what's right or wrong, or it's a power or an energy, you know, somewhat kind of like we were in Star Wars and we had this connection to the force, a mystical power that connects living things together and gives certain powers to certain people to move some object across the, you know, the room or something like that. But although the Holy Spirit is powerful, the Holy Spirit is not a power. And so the Holy Spirit might be an influence in our life, but it's not an influence in its nature. So the Holy Spirit is not the attributes of God. The Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God who empowers and encourages and enlightens us to become full disciples of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, there's a unique will and emotion, a distinctness that we see, and we see the examples of this in Scripture. In Ephesians 4.30, it tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. In Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they kind of pull this shady um, deal with selling some land, and they end up lying to the Holy Spirit. So we don't normally lie or sadden or burden objects or things, right? We, we do these things to people. Not that it's good to do this stuff to people, but it's, it's a sense that we understand that there is a a justice, a right or wrong to interacting with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a person. In Romans 8, it tells us that when we're unsure of how or what to pray, that the Holy Spirit even intercedes for us. 
So the Holy Spirit can recognize our inadequacies and our weaknesses, has compassion on us, and works on our behalf. These are just the, some of the examples that show the attributes of a distinct, loving, and real person. So although the Apostles' Creed was formed in the early church, like we said, the Holy Spirit is not this New Testament idea. But however, our relationship to the Holy Spirit changed through the work of Jesus Christ. So Jesus himself describes this Holy Spirit to us in John chapter 16, 17 through 15. It says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay, so let's set the stage just a little bit here. In this scripture, Jesus and the disciples, they're sitting at the upper room at the Last Supper. Okay, He's just washed their feet. Judas has already left to betray Jesus. Peter's future denial of him has been predicted. So it, it's been a rough night. Okay, Now Jesus is basically giving them his final teaching, and he's trying to give them some sort of comfort in the midst of all of this. And they're probably brokenhearted and discouraged. They're flooded with all different types of emotions. There's sadness and confusion. There's anger. There's pain. And here's the reality that Jesus is telling them and that he's ultimately telling us. It is to our advantage that Jesus left the earth. And if he doesn't, the helper will not come. Now, you might be thinking, and as I kind of think, wait a minute, better to be without Jesus on earth? And the answer to that is yes. Okay, so when the Son of God took on human flesh, he became a human body localized in a single place. He had a form, and it was given for us in, in death and in sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, He was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the way, and he is alive. But even though he is alive, he is still in that bodily form as Jesus and localized to a single place. So for Jesus to say it's better and to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit, it's not that the Holy Spirit is any kind of better than Jesus. It's just the fact that Jesus can only be in one place at one time. And right now, he sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he reigns in in glory in that way. But the Holy Spirit is not localized to a certain place. So the advantage that we have is that by sending the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can be with all of us at the same time. And so there's there's amazing uh, comfort and help in that, to know that, that the Holy Spirit, that God's presence can be with us all 
at the same exact time. So that way, the Holy Spirit, like he said, can be our helper. Now, the word that's used there in the Greek is parakletos, and it literally translates to the one who is called beside. So I want you to remember, you know, my friend Mark, who was there with me as a kid, he was a parakletos. He was, he was representing the Holy Spirit's presence, and he was there with me when I, when I needed him most. And it, you know, it was a beautiful expression, not only of his, his care for me, but of the Holy Spirit's care for all of us, that he would just come and be alongside me. So we see in this scripture that the helper, the one who comes alongside us, is not there just for comfort, though, that he is also the spirit of truth, and that he's going to convict the world concerning sin, convict the world concerning righteousness, and of judgment, now, sin because we don't believe in Jesus. And that, that just, folks, that's, that's the truth right there. If we believed in Jesus and we believed in the power every time in our life at a full extent, just like Paul said, his grace is sufficient for me, it would be sufficient. But our faith lacks. And that's what leads us into sin, that we think, hey, listen, we want to do this our way instead of God's way. And we end up finding ourselves in a place that either hurts God's heart or hurts the heart of other people around us. And this belief that we have, if we were to, to live in full belief of Jesus, then our sin would probably not be an issue for us. So, but, but the Holy Spirit helps to convict the world and us of sin, knowing that our belief can be strengthened and to grow so that we will avoid sin more and more in our lives. In righteousness, because he was going to the Father, and we wouldn't see Jesus anymore. And righteousness is also just a really interesting word. It can be broken down into its roots to mean this, this amazing phrase, just togetherness. Being made right, being justified by the sacrifice of Jesus. And because Jesus has been resurrected and we have been forgiven through his sacrifice, we experience this justice in our lives that brings us together with God. This right standing with God is the just togetherness that we experience. And finally, judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Apostle John also quotes Jesus earlier in the gospel, saying that the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy, but that Jesus has come to give life and life more abundantly. The ruler of this world, he's been defeated. The wages of sin were death, but sin has been defeated through Jesus' work, and he is alive. Death has been defeated through the resurrection of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're no longer bound to sin and no longer bound to death, and therefore we are no longer bound to the enemy because he has been judged, and let's just say the outlook is grim. The Holy Spirit will declare these truths to the world and convict them of them, which places the Holy Spirit in this kind of lawyer-type mode, this advocate. And the Spirit of Truth presents this argument to the world and conviction, though it means that there's a verdict, and the verdict is guilty. And these convictions, though, even though they're guilty, they're the heartbeat of the gospel because sin and separation from God through that lack of faith righteousness and our need and ability to be made just and together with God through Jesus and judgment that our enemy has been judged, but we have been set free to our eternal life. This is the gospel. This is hope. 
for all of humanity. And the presentation of this truth is the work of the Holy Spirit. And all of it, just like Jesus said in that scripture, is to glorify him, to glorify Jesus Christ, to place him in the place of honor and as the standard. And because of this, even though the Holy Spirit is an equal member of the Godhead, he's often referred to as the hidden spirit because he's always pointing at Jesus. And of course, we stand convicted in the example of Jesus But the Spirit's heart is to glorify Jesus and point humanity towards him. And so why is knowing all of this so important for us, for you, and for me? It was good for the Holy Spirit to go to the Father because the Holy Spirit has made us his dwelling place in the world. The people of God are his dwelling place. John 14, 17, it's called the spirit of truth, right? The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. This is what Jesus said to us in Romans 8, 9. It says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. In 1 Corinthians 16, 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. So like the old tabernacle or the temple in the Old Testament, as a believer, we now hold the very personal presence of God in each and every one of us, which helps us understand what happened in Acts, right? Because Jesus proclaims to the disciples that they will receive power from the Holy Spirit When it comes on them, and they will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then in chapter 2, they're all together in in this room praying, and there's this sound of a violent rushing wind. And think back to the name of the Holy Spirit, Ruach. This violent rushing wind that fills the whole house in what looks like tongues of fire, rest on each of them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in other languages that are not their own. Then they go outside and there are people from all over the world in Jerusalem and they hear them speaking to them in their own language. And Peter begins to speak to the crowd to testify about Jesus, to be a witness on the stand and 3,000 people believed that day. So immediately upon being filled with the Spirit, the disciples become empowered to take the stand. And the Holy Spirit is like a lawyer, and he's almost questioning them. What do you have to say about what Jesus has done? And through the Holy Spirit's power, they begin to testify, to witness to what he has done, the gospel, the sin that's been removed from their life, the righteousness they've received, and that he is alive. So like those disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, our lives should almost turn into like the the blinking neon arrow sign that's just pointing at Jesus all the time. He's alive. He's alive. And, you know, I'm more and more conflicted that the statement, preach often and, and when necessary, use words, may not be a complete statement for us. 
Because every time I see the Holy Spirit's power come on somebody, it comes out of their mouth. And they talk and they speak. And I don't believe it's any coincidence that the very first moments of the Holy Spirit's presence in the people of God, they speak in other languages. They speak and people come to faith. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would empower us to be his witnesses. And witnesses speak. However, our actions do matter. And the Holy Spirit works on that too. And in Galatians, it tells us that the production or the fruit from the relationship with the Holy Spirit, that it will be love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you're a regular from Connect, we look at them every Sunday right on the front of the thrust, that the fruit of the Spirit are these actions in our lives. So this balance between our testimony and the way that we behave in the world becomes our witness to Christ. So what do we do with all of this? First, I want to encourage you to recognize the amazing gift that God has given to us, that God's very essence, his very personal presence is living inside of each of us who believe. Really take that in. Not only did God save us, but God has joined his very life to us. And I want to encourage you to allow God to embolden you, to let the Holy Spirit increase in your life, in your voice, and in your actions. And a large part of this is letting God convict you of things in your heart that don't line up with his heart. And I've experienced this myself in recent days, and I've been becoming more and more aware of the hidden prejudices in my life as we see the injustices that are happening around our, our world and in our community, and as I continue to hear the stories, ways in which I myself have been unjust and unloving, ways that I haven't promoted peace or promoted kindness. Not that I've promoted war or cruelty, but my neutrality hasn't been a true pro- proclamation of the gospel, of this hope that the gospel gives to us. So as I've tried to humble myself and realize this, Something's happened, though. My confidence and my trust in God, in that realignment of my heart, it's begun to manifest itself in my voice and in my words. You see, as the Holy Spirit's truth cleans out the lies that we believe in our life, it makes space for God's freedom. And where you may have been filled with fear and uncertainty, you become filled with confidence and with faith, which allows you to truly say that I believe in the Holy Spirit. So may we cultivate our relationship with this amazing gift of God and the person of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the helper, the advocate, the comforter. And may we follow in the Spirit's leading and come alongside our family, our friends, and communities to boldly speak and to live out the gospel as alongside the Holy Spirit we point to Jesus. Amen.